everyone, my name is Jordi Mueller and welcome to the Empower Women series of the month of September um, for a topic that definitely hits home to many homes, <laughs> not just from our client base, but uh, even in my own personal life. And I'm sure if you're listening to this, you probably know somebody that or someone in a situation from uh, the conversation we're going to be describing today, we're going to be discussing dementia. And for today's podcast, uh, we're really glad to have not just one, but two very special guests. Uh, hi, Melissa McGee and Houses in Snow. How are you both doing? Great, how are you? They're both actually visiting us from uh, the Uville place here in Lexington. Uh, we have uh, worked in the past with Uville, and one of the things that we kind of like have embedded in our head is how much knowledgeable they are in not just uh, dealing in the day-to-day with their own, uh, I, I don't want to call them patients, but like people that are with them at the place, but also like the medical side of things. So we're going to try to stay away as much as possible from the medical side of things, but because we're not, I am not a doctor here and I don't want to add, ask any medical questions. But if you two feel free to that, differentiate those answers, uh, that would be great. <laughs> so it, it makes it a lot easier for the listener. Um, I want to start with a very specific question, and this is something that happened to us in our family. Um, just probably as anybody at home, uh, we get to a point where somebody in our family is starting to show some symptoms of something not being 100% right. And before we even start considering uh, calling it dementia, we just start saying maybe like, oh, John Smith, like, you know, have you noticed that grandpa is not quite there yet now? So how do we approach this conversation within a family setting or, or what do you recommend is one of the first things to start talking within a family when you start noticing this? And this is for both of you. Melissa, you wanna go first? I can let you go first. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think that, um, I don't, really know how to answer that in terms of like what's the first step when you really start to see somebody you know maybe repeating themselves or that kind of thing but mm -hmm. I do know you know it's important to talk about signs of um, dementia in somebody maybe they're living alone and you go and visit them and you know you notice that they're not really paying their bills and the mail is backing up or maybe they don't look as well kept as they usually are and maybe hmm. they're wearing the same clothes or they could be um, not taking showers and that sort of thing or their house could look um, a complete mess or maybe there's got rotten food in the refrigerator and they're starting to kind of hoard things because they're trying to hold on to things and they don't want to lose things so they keep things out on the counters and stuff so they don't lose them and you know there's some signs like that when you're like visiting somebody that you haven't seen, maybe a loved one, you know, you haven't been to visit them for a little bit. Um, hmm. You know, those are signs that can indicate that somebody is, you know, flipping into that dementia area because they really can't keep track of things anymore. They can't remember. Um, or maybe when they're, you know, they gain weight or uh, more times than not, they're losing weight because they forget to eat. Um, Hmm. Maybe their meds are, you know, out of whack and, and because they're not remembering to take their medication. So, you know, those are kinds of some signs that I can think of right off the top. Um, hmm. I have less exposure to, you know, the 
real, real beginnings when, you know, you notice that she's just kind of telling the story hmm. wrong or she's asked the same question a whole bunch of times. Um, uh, maybe uh, maybe Melissa has a little more experience with that. Um, Interesting. Yeah, um, I think when you first start seeing the signs of, um, we can call it, you know, uh, memory loss or forgetting things that are not typical of, you know, the normal aging process. Um, I think being um, upfront with the person that is forgetting, you know, asking them those questions like, um, you know, oh, you know, where, where do you think you put that or um, where... Um, where are we? Do you know um, the directions on how to get back home? You know, I can't, you know, remember the, the correct directions. And just to kind of test them to see. But being upfront and honest with them, I think, is the most important, especially in an early stage of even questioning if that person has memory loss. Um, and then, obviously, you know, because you're going to be going to the doctor and um, you want them to know why they're going to the doctor. Yeah. And a lot of times people do, um, I didn't mean to cut you off, a lot of times people do that have that memory impairment, they know something's off. Yeah, so so that was something actually very revealing to me yesterday in in, in, in our event uh, that I think a lot of the people were sharing, but also you guys uh, emphasized that people suffering with dementia Realize, a lot of times realize they have dementia. So it's even frustrating for them to start noticing these signs. And 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 that just changed kind of like a little bit of the ball game for me on how to, do you approach this conversation uh, within a family. So, so that was a, a great insight yesterday. Um, I, I have a question. So, so, so it, there seemed to be a great separation between people that were asking how to identify if my loved one has dementia or I already know my loved one has dementia, when do I know I need to take the next step and I cannot take care of him or her on my own? Um, do you mind talking a little bit about how it's best to make this decision? Are you referring to like having um, mm -hmm. someone come into your home yeah. and help? Or? Yeah, I think there, there, there seemed to be a little bit of a progression and, and then some definitely marked steps yesterday in the conversation of this is something that I should just now start maybe looking for some help outside just my own. I think, yeah, I think, oh, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead Melissa. Um, I think when, it's, when you realize, when you come to the realization that um, you know, I'm not getting sleep at night because my loved one is up at night wandering, you know, it becomes a safety issue. Hmm. Also, when there is a change in condition, meaning, um, you know, now it's becoming more difficult and a little bit harder for myself to physically, you know, bathe my loved one or, um, you know, fixing uh, meals for my loved one, those sort of things, I think, um, to me trigger especially the safety issue i think when it comes to safety issue is when you know you need some more assistance hmm. assistant were you going to yeah. add something to it yeah and i was just going to say um you know caregivers are um are amazing and they you know they're dedicated to their loved ones and they you know they they work so hard and it's so demanding and it's you know when it becomes kind of like melissa was saying it's like a 24-7 kind of a thing and you're just burnt out, there's you know, you've got to stop and, and assess and 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 you know, realize that you can't do it. You just can't, nobody can do it. Um, yeah. Even if you like, have, 
uh, even if you have 24-hour care in, uh, you're still managing those people. And you have to make sure you're there to make sure that they've arrived. And, you know, you're still... Um, you're still pulled into that caregiver role and um and you know there just comes a time when you can't do it anymore and and uh yeah there was a phrase yeah there was a phrase that you used yesterday susan that i i especially it kind of like got stuck in my head which is at some point it would be it's nice to go back to just be that partner that wife that husband and stop being a caring person and yeah and that was fascinating for me yeah. So, you know, when you're when you're kind of in the middle of, of this progression, you know, you are a hundred percent that your loved one's caregiver. And maybe you were husband and wife before, or maybe you were, you know, a mother daughter or whatever the case may be, but you're no longer that you know, you're not living in that relationship. You're living as a caregiver and then, you know, your loved one is getting the care. And so uh, it it's it, really important to be able to get back into that original relationship and it's important for your you know your loved one as well because they may even start to resist you know the, the assistance that you're giving with bathing and taking pills and they may be just so frustrated because they, they can't articulate the fact that hmm. you know I want to be you know your I want to be your your husband or your wife and I don't want you taking care of me and you know they don't always know that why they need take care of but um so bringing them to a community where the the community and the professionals at that community can take care of all of their uh personal needs and and you can then go back and and just enjoy your loved one and do things that you like to do together you know look through pictures and do whatever you want to do and not be the caregiver um yeah there's uh oh sorry go ahead well Go ahead. No, I was going to say there is a, there is something that I think Melissa mentioned just a little bit ago that that really got uh, I guess uh, reminded several times through the event yesterday, which was um, if it's starting to affect your own health, you really need to stop and think about how you're dealing with this, uh, just in your own household, because eventually you might face also a situation of your own. And and yeah. and and I guess the the line that that Melissa was talking about is like you really need to be able to sleep, and and that's as basic as that, right? But it's a, it's a great uh, red line that that you could start thinking about in your own house. Yes, it's it's important. I think when a person takes on the caregiver role, they lose themselves, and they lose themselves um, in ways that really doesn't have to happen um you know if they can just be aware that they need to do some of the things that they enjoy doing Hmm. and they need to um be able to to have breaks and to to pursue things and you know they they tend to just get all involved in the person and um it's very damaging and then they may not eat properly or they may not take time to get exercise because when am I going to leave the house to, you know, get the exercise and um, it, 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 it's really sad because they, they, they don't, you know, they're, they're trying to do the best they can and at some point that's not the best thing for their loved one yeah. and, uh, and, you know, your loved one can pick up on your stress and your, you know, your anxiety and all of that, and that's not helping them either. 
And um, so <laughs> taking care of yourself as a caregiver is a very important element. I think, and it's, I think that's almost yeah. number one, having that self-care and giving yourself the time off to refuel so you can be the best person for your loved one. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And in a, when you're in a community setting, you have multiple people that are trained in progressive brain um, issues, and they can help your loved one, and they're playing multiple different roles with that person, with that loved one. Yeah. So there are many people that are serving that one person, and you think about that that caregiver at home, it's yeah. only them. Maybe they have some home care agency coming here and there, but they're responsible for the whole kit and, 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 you know, uh, and, and, and one person can't be everything to a person anyway, even without yeah. memory problems. So, no, um, I, I, uh, so, so th I might get into a little bit of, uh, a dicey conversation with my next comment, but, um, a couple of years ago when we had the first, uh, seminar regarding dementia and Alzheimer, we did one together. Um, we pass uh, around the book Being Mortal by Atul Kawambe. I don't know if you have read it yourself. Um, I have. And, and there was, and again, it was in the bigger picture of just taking care of somebody at home and and the cultural part of how the family nucleus are done became really relevant to the conversation. And that's why that book was really relevant to the conversation, right? It, it basically explained how different cultural backgrounds take this differently, right? Um, and, and I can see that. Uh, I am from Mexico. Uh, we have somebody in our family with dementia that it's been taken care of by one of their sons, uh, or my uncle in this case, and now he is facing some health issues but, uh, and I'm, I'm gonna call it a little, hopefully he's not listening to me right now, but stubbornness, <laughs> right? To like change the ways and, and, and allowing this kind of help come into your house, right? It's really tough. It's an emotional decision to acknowledge that you cannot take care of somebody else anymore. Um, and I'm sure Melissa, you see this often uh, in the people in your community. You do, it's a lot of, you feel like you failed your exactly. loved one, you feel a lot of guilt. Yeah. Um, and you do, you, you you as yourself that does not have the memory loss, you are passing over that control and and so to speak, like I guess you could say the power um, to be the one that is helping your loved one eat, um, you know, at personal care and just planning their day to where it used to be in their home and they were able to make those decisions. And, and of course we work together. It's not just, you know, one um, way street. We do work with our families, especially in assisted living. Um, but it, it is, it's, it's a hard, um, it, it's, it's inside. You really do feel like you've let yourself down and you let your loved one down when you have to um, transition to um, a different kind of care. And you know, I I was um, speaking with one of the uh, with a daughter of one of our residents, and she's you know she just was put on hospice care, and you know she's kind of ending, she's getting towards the end of her journey here, and um, she said to me, she said, I am so happy that that I um, brought my mother to you, Bill, and she said it was the single hardest decision I have ever made in my whole life. And I just was, you know, and I remember this particular person, I must have met with her, you know, 15 times and going over things. And then Melissa and I met with her and she, you know, she was so thorough 
Um, and, you know, that's, it's not a comment about how wonderful we are. It's just a comment about how gut-wrenching it is when you have to, you know, give your loved one over to a community or to, to someone else to care for. And the thing to note here is that we are caring for them, but they can be a part of their care plan and they can participate and they can, you know, be with their loved ones and they're not, you know, like out of the picture entirely, so you know. Um, that was something really important uh, from yesterday as well. Uh, identifying and coming up with a plan early it, yes. it seemed from everybody that was on the call or an event um, to be one of the best decisions they've made or the one of the best uh, uh, kind of like a protocols or processes that they were following because it included the person uh, suffering exactly. it instead of just being yep. a, a last resource to like, we cannot handle this anymore. I think it definitely takes off that weight that um, your loved one, um, not your loved one, but you as a care partner, caregiver um, to your loved one. It takes that weight off because they're still able to voice, you know, what they want, their wishes um, at an early stage, first getting diagnosed and getting, you know, everything aligned that way when things do um, progress, which they will, um, you know what they wanted. And it just makes it, the guilt, you know, it does help because there is a lot of guilt that I've seen and have seen with families um, when the loved one passes if things aren't, you know, set in place. Yeah, I, mm-hmm. I, 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 we've seen it um, in our own client base as well. And it also increases the quality of uh, memories that they are yet to be created. <laughs> so, so yeah, and, and that, that seems to be uh, the norm when, when the decision is making, uh, is, is being made early in the process. Um, and I, I, I can just, you know, yeah, add kind of a, kind of a, you know, <laughs> a different perspective here on that. Um, somebody could say in the early stages, I don't ever want to leave my home and I don't ever want to be in a memory community and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And there, you know, there just may come a point where they would be best served. They would love it, you know. If they're a really social person, and you know, it, it they're missing it. We talked a little bit about isolation and and not being stimulated, not being able to do things and see people and be engaged in activities because you know the caregiver can't do that and everything else. Mm-hmm. Um, and. You know, they might be just a, a person that would absolutely thrive there. But the caregivers thinking in their mind, well, I promise I would never place them, you know, in a facility. And then so the caregivers burnt out and and the person isn't getting their needs met, um, not by any fault of the caregiver, just it, mm-hmm. it's impossible. So there's that part of it, too. Um, yeah. yeah. I think you know, when you get to a memory care, um, when, when you are appropriate so to speak, for memory care and going into assisted living. I mean, I think when you do discuss this in the you know beginning stages of dementia, Alzheimer's, you know, thinking that, you know, either you're diagnosed or you think you may have a diagnosis of this, um, you know, I think it's more not so much where you may end up, but more so, you know, if I was actively dying, you know, what are the, um, what extent are we going to go through yeah. uh, to keep me alive and what are some things that I um, you know would like you know like for being um, you know for your funeral I had a resident yeah. that said do not waste your money on you know having a viewing because I do not want people squawking at my body 
So it was just things like that where it's like, okay, I would have never thought that for her. If I was, you know, her, you know, daughter or whomever, I would have, she had it in writing. And so things like that, that, you know, she wrote early on prior to a diagnosis was able to be honored. Whereas I figured she would have loved to have, you know, people together and, you know, not for that reason, but just to have, bring people together. But um, it's just, I think it's super important, especially when that person is able to make that decision on not so much where they may end up at for like assisted living or long-term care or whatever the next step is for that person. But just, you know, if things do go this way, you know, what do you choose? Yeah. And go from there. No, and Melissa, I think you also bring what is called, a, or what I would say as the reciprocal uh, way of thinking of this, which is if, if the person suffering uh, dementia or eventually suffering dementia is the only person making the decision, it's also probably not a good thing. Uh, like this is, this has to be a family conversation. Uh, and, right. and that includes more than just the person, right? And it, it can go both ways on the spectrum of decision-making here. And I can see how uh, both ends are probably not ideal. Exactly. And once you go to like your doctor and do get diagnosed, um, and obviously, you know, Alzheimer's Association and things like that, they do send you down the path of, you know, you need to get a healthcare proxy in place. You need mm -hmm. to, you know, have an attorney, um, living yeah. wills and things like that. If they don't have those in the most form, your um, physician would, would work with you on that. Um, so there's so many different, um, you know, legal documents that you would want to complete before, you know, progressing yeah. with the disease. Yeah, and, and and this is just like a huge, uh, I guess, Lexington shout out. We definitely encourage all our clients to do this, even if they don't have any symptoms or are suffering from anything. And also we do it on the younger side. When people go away from their homes, uh, I think it's very important to go through these specific documents uh, as, as, as a family. Um, I, I want to I wanna just... Not, I don't want to close the conversation because there's so much we could talk about dementia, and and I might have you uh, both back in in a, in a couple of months to, to to maybe explore a little more. But it's COVID times, so there's a lot of conversations of that have changed through COVID, um, and and maybe just something a little bit of the tips to to pay attention to as as families start this journey with their own loved ones uh, that they need to be aware of. Well, I think anybody that has dementia um, most likely isn't going to remember to wash their hands and, you know, wear a mask properly if they're out and about or stay six feet away from people. And so, you know, the family has to kind of remind them and, you know, be, be um, vigilant about helping them with those just personal care types mm -hmm. of things that have been proven to really help in, in you know, avoiding getting uh, COVID-19. And then if they're, you know, caregiving their loved one at home, and then it gets to the point where they need to have a home health agency in, I think we talked about it's important to have a conversation with the um, company and say, what are you doing? Um, and what are your protocols to reduce the spread of COVID-19? And then when you're having a, a, a healthcare professional come into the house, you need to do screening processes and take their temperature, ask them questions, you know, have they been exposed to someone? Are they feeling ill, et cetera? Um, and if there's a yes to that, or if their temperature is over 100.4, you don't let them into the home. Hmm. Um, and I think that um, it's, 
you know, it's completely, uh, you, 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 when a person is in, in your home, you're taking that risk at this point with, you know, the pandemic. But uh, you require them to wash their hands the minute they come in, they're wearing a mask, and, you know, you do those kinds of protocols. But those are really important to find out, you know, what are you doing and what kinds of, you know, education are you providing your caregivers um, Mm-hmm. And that's important. So, um, and then in you know within an assisted living, um, you know, just make sure if you're looking for an assisted living, um, you need to ask them about what their protocols are and are they following you know the guidelines that are um, given to them and you know what what has their experience been? What are you doing now? And you know with masking and screening and you know that kind of thing. I think super important. And I think, I think with the person that, you know, is having, um, you know, diagnosed with dementia or memory impairment, um, just remembering that, you know, simple steps, one to two steps. So if you have to put, you know, maybe on the, um, you know, the bathroom wall or in the kitchen to, you know, remind, you know, you know, wash your hands, you know, step one, turn water on, you know, whatever you need to do, like, but simple steps. I mean, one to one to three, uh, depending on where they are in the progression of the disease. And then also, um, you know, just remembering as a caregiver, care partner, your loved one may not be able to tell you that, you know, they're not feeling um, the best. So just, you know, if if there's some sort of um, disruption or um, inconsistency of um, your loved one, just be aware of it and take it serious and think maybe something else is going on. Yeah, I, I mean, both both of your tips and and, and advices uh, are, I can see it working in my own family. So thank you for that. Um, I I want to offer your information to everybody listening. Is that okay for both of you? And uh, for oh, contact, yeah. Um, we have we have worked with you Bill, before, and uh, we appreciate both of your times uh, today and also during the event. And for those listening, if you feel that you might be going through something like this, there's no shame at all in reaching out for help. Uh, we at Lexington can be uh, definitely the 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 guy or try to help you and guide you through the right. Uh, people and resources. Uh, Melissa and Susan shared a ton of resources yesterday in our event that we're going to put on our show notes, and we're also going to attach them to the takeaways from the event. So, so be on the look for that one. Um, and to close the podcast, I always have one question to all the guests, which I am um, I'm going to try to adapt it to this one. But if I would be somebody in this situation uh, where I have some somebody showing some sh- some signs of dementia in my household, what is one thing I can start doing tomorrow or that I should be doing tomorrow? I would say, um, if I can go first, um, I would say buy a spiral notebook and write down the date, um, the time, what you're seeing. Um, that way you're keeping a log of what's going on because it does get so overwhelming as the person caring for the loved one that may be showing these signs that you do you your mind goes blank um so just keeping a log buy yourself a spiral notebook and start writing things down that um you know you're having concerns or questions are you seeing something different that way you can approach that either with um your support group or um your provider 
Yeah, and I would just add to that that if, you know, things, you, you know, if it's really the beginning stages and you really haven't kind of moved into that caregiver role, but you're concerned, I would just, you know, get online and start finding some support groups or some blogs or, you know, somebody you could call the, you know, the Minuteman Senior Services or the Alzheimer's Association or any of these organizations that are around, you can call us at Uville. I'm always happy to talk to anybody um, who, you know, is questioning things, but find out, you know, kind of, well, what happens when somebody is starting to um, show signs of dementia? What are those signs and what do we do? And, uh, you know, support is just super important. Like, even when we were talking about um, you know, making a decision for a loved one at any other point or like to come to a, a, a community. If you have a, a, you know, a team of people that you're, you know, that are helping you and supporting you, you're not making that decision on your own and you're not trying to figure out the answers on your own. And that's hugely important. Perfect. Well, thank you both uh, for your time today and yesterday. Uh, we really, really appreciate it here at Lexington Wealth, and uh, we'll be sharing your information. And uh, for for all of those listening today, this was the Empower Women series of the month of September, a very important topic. And uh, please feel free to reach out. We'll provide as much information as we can. Um, my name is Jordy Miller, and until next time, we hope you have a good day. registered by Hightower Securities LLC, member FINRA and SIPC, and with Hightower Advisors LLC, a registered independent investment advisor with the SEC. Securities are offered through Hightower Securities LLC. Advisory services are offered through Hightower Advisors LLC. This is not an offer to buyers or securities. No investment process is free of risk, and there is no guarantee that the investment process or the investment opportunities referred herein will be profitable. Past performance is not indicative of current or future performance, and it's not guaranteed. The investment opportunities referenced herein may not be suitable for all investors. All data and information referenced herein are from sources believed to be reliable. Any opinions, news, research, analysis, prices, or other information contained in this research is provided as a general market commentary and does not constitute investment advice. Lexington Wool Management and Hightower shall not in any way be liable for claims and make no express or implied representation or warranties as to the accuracy or completeness of the data on other information or for statements or errors contained in or omissions from the obtained data and information referenced herein. The data and information are provided as a date of reference. Such data and information are subject to change without notice. This document was created for informational purposes only. The opinions expressed are solely those of Lexington Well Management and do not represent those of Hightower Advisors LLC or any of its affiliates.